You are now entering the Mix You podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of the Mix You podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm sitting here with my two friends, Lee Fields and Andrew Stone. What's up, fellas? Hey, hey. hey man. Man, the cool thing about this recording, most of you guys may not know this, but this is the first of these podcast episodes that the three of us have actually been in the same room together. Yes. Most of our podcasts are recorded with each of us in our own city, hooked up, hooked up together via the interwebs and technology, and we just sort of edit that version. But now we get to look each other in the face. Yeah. This and is talk really nice in the same room. Too. This, this is, is really beautiful. Much more awkward. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've realized that when we're talking to each other, we're all really just looking down at notes and other things. Right. <laughs> Reading emails. So I probably can't be working on my taxes right now. And I can this. usually sit in my Mickey Mouse underwear. And if I did that now, I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd have to change to my out of my goofy underwear right. that I'm wearing Because, I mean, you're welcome to still do that if you really feel the need. But yeah. we'd prefer if you didn't. So here's the deal. We are 30 days away from our next Mix You Live event. And we could not be more excited about heading to Chicago to be part of MixU and Philo in a month. Yep. This is going to be our, it already is right now. It's going to be the biggest one we've done. Yeah. And it's also in a bigger room with a bigger PA. Yeah. Better video set up. So it, we've really kind of changed the room to accommodate more people. Yeah. This is really going to be cool. So for those of you who have signed up, you're in for a great day. If you still haven't made the decision... You really need to get in there and attend MixU and stay for Philo. And if you are coming, you've signed up, go ahead and sign up somebody else from your team. Bring them along with you because one thing that we've seen over time is that these days just spark conversations among people with others on their team. And it's so helpful if they get to experience it together instead right. of one guy just going back and saying, oh, you missed it. They talked about this and this and this. This gives you a common connecting point to be able to have great conversations after the fact. Man, and I had a, a someone tweeted me uh, a week or two ago, and we mentioned this on the last podcast. Like, some people don't go to these things because, oh man, my church will never let me do that. Or, have you asked? Yeah. And I got a tweet, and a guy said, "Because you guys suggested I go ask, I'm now going to mix you and Philo." Thanks, straight. And I mean, that's really the deal. So you're 30 days out. Plenty of tickets. Yep. Get involved in this stuff. Go. Plenty of time to still get a plane ticket if you yeah. need to fly and not pay this. stupid prices and all that. Just, yeah. just do it. Come. What's cool about this? these events is they were put on sale a long time ago, which is great. But most of the things in our touring lives, we would never book flights or hotels before we were 30 days out. Right. So you still have plenty of time to make this all happen. I haven't booked my flight yet. <laughs> I haven't either. I haven't either. <laughs> we probably should get on that. Do I that. might need to do yeah. that. We should tell people what we're looking at here. This view. This is quite a view. Yeah, I'm looking at Jeff right across the table. It's Oh, you meant out the window. Out the windows. It is a beautiful spring day and the mountains and the desert and the trees. And it's like we got it all. Yeah, so I'm of, looking at palm trees and I'm looking at snow way back up there on those mountains. That's crazy. So maybe we should just... Put it out there in the comments section of this podcast episode. You guys guess where you think we are. Yeah. So we're looking out the window from the seventh floor of a room. Yeah. Looking out at mountains, snow, palm trees, a swimming pool, and what else? Um, there's something bright over there to the right. That's the sun. Oh. 
<laughs> we don't see that very often, so that is the sun. But there, it's like a it's a, like a flat valley, and there's like some tall buildings out there. All right, we're we're gonna give it away if we say yeah, anymore. So just reply yeah. in the comments. Hit us back. Yep, hit us back. So speaking of hitting us back, we've gotten some great comments on the turn down for mix you uh, request that we've sent out. So for those guys who don't know what that is, Lee, why don't you explain what turn down for mix you is? And Andrew, you can tell us what we got this got week. <laughs> yeah, we have basically created a way for you to um, do something besides burn your handwritten sound complaints. We want you to send them to us so that we can read them on the air. So we get a lot of them. We probably get a couple a week. Send us some more because we know you're still getting them. This is the greatest thing about it because it's like it never ends. It never ends. And uh, we have some good ones this week. And per usual, they most often are not signed. They're just anonymous. Yeah. And most of the handwriting is um, a little more... Uh, let's say script based, like yeah. might be written by a person who had good penmanship growing up because they and used to write a lot of handwritten letters and in cursive, not email. And right. has a lot of life experience. <laughs> Old folks. Old folks. That's, yeah. that, let's just face it. Yeah. So this one was, uh, I don't know guys, the way this one's written, it's probably got to be in the top five we've received, oh. but it's a, this is a, was an email. So somehow, the person that wrote this was able to manage an email device. So I'm going to read this the best I can because there's not one piece of punctuation on the whole thing. It's just a and, big run and on. And no capitalization. So I can't even really tell where the sentences are. So this just makes it all the more epic because of how detailed they get on the suggestions. I love it. Okay. All ready? right. Here we go. <clears throat> I see that the house sound mix is good. But at times it reads over 92 dB. Is there, is there any way that you can trim it to a cap of 74 dB so that it doesn't clip? So that it doesn't clip. It drown. Okay, this is what it actually says. It drowning out the singer with the bass guitar midway. Try tweaking the bass a little. Presets are nice, but not accurate completely. Unless you monitor them while you're setting them. Cuz, C-U-Z, cuz some speakers can sing a little louder and a little lower and a little lighter and a little higher and a little below. One thing you can adjust is the amount of sound output via person, not via computer or via your preset buttons. I see your operator juice a lot of the preset buttons and not actually paying attention to what their ears and their eyes the, do. There's on, still more? Are you, you, I'm still reading the same thing. How do you juice a preset button? I don't know how you... <laughs> I don't know. My wife juices a, on their necks. And my wife juices a lot. She might want to know how to do this. So, uh, with their eyes and ears. So, what is actually happening? Is this why the sound level of actually keeping it under 75 decibels should be used here? Absolutely. What? Okay, I just feel like I just read a paragraph of Pig Latin. <laughs> Was it like Ravi Zacharias giving a uh, dissertation on church it's, sound? I think if you read it in Icelandic pentameter, it might actually read Icelandic. better. <laughs> what the heck is pentameter? <laughs> what the heck? 
heck is Icelandic pentameter? I don't know. It sure sounds like it would make it read better. Uh, Can you reread that in a Romanian accent? I feel like something's missing here. I can read it like the Count would on uh, the Sesame (laughs) Street. Perfect. Do that. (laughs) No, you know what we should do? We should do an unnecessary censorship of this. So why don't you read it again? And I'll just put in some bleeps where I think they should go. I think that's good. (laughs) Let's try this again. I see that the house sound mix is, but at times it reads over 92 dB. Is there any way you can trim it to a cap of 74 dB so that it doesn't? It drowns out the singer with the bass guitar midway. Try kicking the bass. A little presets are nice, but not accurate unless you them while you're setting them. Cause some can sing a little in a little and a little and a little below. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, guys. We, may, we may have just brought to new heights the turn down for Mix U. So if yours is really, really good. If you have a long one like that, you need to send it because we can do some unnecessary this censorship. So now you should consider it an honor that if your complaint gets read and gets censorship added, that's next level. Uh. Well, so a couple of things. First of all, the guy has no idea what 72, 74, or 92 dB is because he doesn't understand that normal conversation is louder than 70, 74 dB. So, Well, here's the thing. Anybody that can't spell or use punctuation, I don't think I really even care what they think about decibels because they probably don't know how to do that either. No, so. he's clearly a full-sale graduate with lots of experience. You know, he's still probably working at, Rent a center in Orlando. Well, can't let me find tell you what. Yet. He has an iPhone and he can reference these DB yeah. settings just as easily as we can. And I mean, we should trust those those readings that he's given us for sure. Because I mean, this is really great. The iPhone uh, apps and microphones are really attenuated to the technology. So I mean, we should really embrace this, perhaps. Well, and the insight. Or that I should I, go kill myself. The insight <laughs> that I got from it was that singers can actually sing louder or softer or higher or lower. Or below. When did that start? I don't know, but when a singer sings below, that's just that's really yeah. my favorite my favorite well, moment. Guys, this changes everything. I mean, we really need to affect affect our mixes by using some of this. I wasn't aware that singers could sing lower or higher, or lower or, or be- higher or below or belower belower or belower. Because C U Z, sometimes you know they get out of fix control. This and this guy would be really happy. If we just used an insert and DF'd the mix, and I think he would really appreciate the, yeah, res- the result. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be really good. Okay, so uh, moving on from unnecessary censorship sound complaints, <laughs> um, soapbox time. And I got to preface this one. Okay. I left the Facebook group again. Wow, so this soapbox is wow. not coming from Lee, which is rare. But the fact that you left the group, yeah. I think, shows. A lot of growth and maturity on your part. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of self discipline. Yeah. Self discipline for sure. I mean, I've got a lot more time in my life now. You know, I've um, you actually play with your kids and go outside. Yeah, I have a life plan developed that I'm looking forward to really executing. Great. Yeah. Uh, my kids are calling me dad again. <laughs> um, well, I saw I, that you started shaving and like, looks yeah. like you've washed and stuff. I'm yeah. glad our intervention worked. Yeah, my wife, this is good. My wife made eye contact with me last week, so it was good. <laughs> That's a start. Uh, it That's is a real start. start. You know, and I just left the group because I just couldn't deal, you know, deal with it anymore. And yeah. 
just just finding peace in my life. It's good. But we do have a soapbox. We do. Andrew, we do. <laughs> take it away. Yeah, so I think I texted you guys when this happened. I think you were pressing me on what happened because I was really hacked off. And I think it was you, Lee. It was like, dude, what happened? And I'm just like, don't even freaking get me started. And I think I actually pulled over to send the text. Did you really? The voice text was make. I was so angry. And the voice text (laughs) trying to text to my phone was not working real good. And so I'm like, okay, before I have an accident and they go into road rage about this. So I'll, I'll pull over. Yeah. So. I was, uh, so I live in Tulsa. We all know this hotbed of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> but in all actuality, uh, they built an arena there 10 or 12 years ago. Really nice state of the art, big arena. And it's, uh, in the top 10 of the last three or four years of all arenas, as far as the number of shows and the type of artists. And, stuff. and every tour stops there because it's on their way every to tour. wherever's next. Yeah. And for some reason, a lot of really big tours are doing rehearsals there and, so it's it's been very convenient from my past past life that I know a lot of people and can go in and see shows a lot and it's really cool that yeah usually wasn't the case in Tulsa so props to you guys but um a very well known tour that's touring right now that if I said it every single person would probably go yeah I've totally heard about that tour big tour um, was coming through town the cool thing about Tulsa is that no one is ever asking for comp tickets in Tulsa. Right. It's not, there's no industry there. There's not management there. It's just a tour stop. None of the band's family lives in town. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So, so that's cool. So when someone comes through, it's usually no big deal. I don't care about a seat. I don't care about any of that. I don't want to take away any of their revenue. I would just like to go hang out with the engineer. I don't even have to talk. I just want to see what's going on. Right. We enjoy that. Absolutely. That's a big deal. That's one of the ways we can learn and all that. So this was all set up, no big deal. And it just, I finally get, I hear from the engineer like really late in the day on the day of show. And this is, this was set up, started getting set up about two weeks in advance. By a manufacturer. By a manufacturer. And it was really simple. Just, Hey, can one of our other big users drop by and just, just hang out? You don't have to take care of him. He's an old touring vet, doesn't need anything. Um, I finally, and I'm on a plane that day flying back to Tulsa. So I was going to land, grab my luggage and just kind of head, head downtown to the arena. And I finally get a text from the engineer and it, and I, I'm not going to look at what the text says, but it was something like, um, yeah, it's just a really busy day and front of house is going to be way too full, way too full to accommodate anyone else. So man, I'm, I'm Sorry, mate. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, for those of us who've done shows and have had people come and visit, that is a lame, obvious, dumb. Yeah. There's never, unless you're in a major market with knowing that management or the label or whoever is coming. Right. There's never not room at front of house. Not unless it's like. New York know, City or or like Justin Bieber where it's yeah. like there's paparazzi and stuff right. and even like the front of house guy's wife can't get a ticket. And some tours they don't they, they don't even allow comps at all, right. I guess, because of that. Right. right. Or Kanye stuff like that. You're not right. you're you're not getting a comp. This was not that kind of a tour. Um so I get that text and I'm like, "What? What what is that? What is happening?" So 
long story short, I'm like, well, if I'm not, if I can't go hang out, I don't have a chip on my shoulder, but I've been traveling a ton. I'm like, I'll just go home. I'll go have dinner with my wife. I'm, I don't really care about the show. I just wanted to see the technique and stuff. Yeah. So a couple of guys that work for me did attend the show and they were very close to front of house. And so they knew what was going on. So they kept sending me photos about every 30 minutes from the time <laughs> doors open until the end of the show. Front of house is completely open. There's no one there except the engineer and the systems engineer. Like you would have it. Yeah. Like you would expect in a stopover show in like Tulsa. There's no guests. There's nothing. Yeah. Okay. So I see all that. That sucks. Yeah. Now, am I a big boy? Yes. Can I handle rejection? You betcha. But you're mad because he lied to you. Because he lied to me and because that's just not what we do in the fraternity. Right. Right. I'm just telling you. So the soapbox part is it really reminded me, first of all, perhaps we shouldn't be an a-hole sometimes, you know, to our other fellow engineers and to remain open-handed about it. Right. That's the thing. Like, be open-handed about what you're doing. It's no big secret. Like, right. Let, let's just let's just throw information at each other and see if we can all get better. The whole reason we do mix you, the whole reason we hang out together, all of it was based on that. And it was just a reminder of me to go, man, dude. Even on your wor- worst weekends, when you've been there, the been at church the whole week, figured yep. out all this stuff. Service after service after service after service. You really just want to go home. Yeah. And that couple of guys show up from a visiting church. Yeah. They can't believe that you're there. Can you show us some of the stuff you're doing? Yep. Your your flesh wants to go, guys, I, you should have called. Yeah. But what do we always do? You make time. You make time. You make time and you help them. And sometimes, sometimes you legitimately are busy, but I will usually grab someone else who can actually pay attention and ask a lot of their questions if I can't spend a ton of time, but stay open handed, man. It's like that, that guy, that touring guy doesn't owe me a thing, right? Doesn't owe me from Adam, but dude, it doesn't give you license to be a jerk like that. But here's the deal. What that guy doesn't realize because he doesn't know you is that your relationship with the person who got you the, the access in the first place, they're embarrassed. Of course. Because this guy was a jerk. And I told him. And I got invited to the one in Atlanta, and I'm not going. (laughs) Because I've heard this guy's a jerk. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. It's like, I'm not interested. So in the church world, how how badly does your poor attitude reflect on the building, your pastor, the experience as a whole? Man. What if it's a newcomer who has has a bad time because of you, and they're never coming back? The last thing I want our pastor or executive staff to do is go is to hear about, yeah, uh, from another pastor saying, yeah, we sent our team over there and your guys didn't have time to show them backstage yeah. or let them know what lighting you were using or let them watch the mix. Oh, my gosh. What are you supposed to be doing? We're supposed to serve people. Yeah. I don't care what tour you're on. It's always, as an audio guy, you're serving somebody else, right? I'm serving the band. If If I can't serve them and help them get what they need, I don't have anything to do. So what are some uh, like practical things we can take from this? Like we, a lot of times we'll do a soapbox and we just kind of rant and then we just move on and it's a bit like vomit, which I think this one. It's important. It it is. And there are, there are a couple specific cities in the United States 
where you would consider them like really strong church communities, okay? Dallas, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia. We'll take those two, for example. The community of churches in those cities are strong in of themselves. Right. But when you talk about churches reaching out to other churches across town, it's actually the worst. Right. They don't want to have anything to do with each other. No. Because all the cool stuff that they're doing, they think is better than everybody else. That's right. And they don't want to cooperate or collaborate because they're doing stuff that's great because it's their idea. Right. But what they don't realize is it's not that different from the guy down the street. That's right. No, it's not. And they could learn so much from each other and build community and build a network of guys who could actually be helpful to each other. Right. Instead of building silos where they're competing with each other. Yeah. And we've actually called that out at our event in Dallas. Yeah, we, we told did. that to the room. Like, hey, you guys actually have the worst reputation yeah. for churches in America of not, you know, linking arms and going after this together. Right. And it was crickets in the room when we crickets. talked about yeah. it. Yeah. there was a, I was st- when we said that I was staring at a lot of guys with their arms crossed. Yeah. Just kind of like not very receptive of that. They didn't want to hear that. That was crazy, dude. Okay, so how do we make it better in our own church with our volunteers and our own team yeah. and then across the the highway to the guy down the street? Yeah. What are some ways we can just be more open-handed and reach out and make it better? Pick up, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. There's there's a huge church across town in Tulsa, huge, doing great stuff. Uh, a lot of similarities between what we do and what they do. We're not in competition. Right. We've been over there helping them work on demoing new PA, installing new consoles, trying to help get their level of stuff up and huge because they're in Tulsa too. We don't have a lot of resources. You've got to pool together. Right. Man, next week I'm going in to dial in uh, a PA and help get a band going at another local church just in town, just because they asked, are you available? Yeah, let's come in and see if you can sound better and do your thing, and I can show you some tricks. And it's not like you making their systems and their PA better is going to no. steal thousands of people Doesn't from matter. Church no. on the Move. No. no. Right now what it is, is like you get together or you go visit the church across town, and you get the tour, but the tech director is just showing off gear. Oh, yeah, we got we got a right. crazy line array. We got we got rid of our X32 and bought a PM10. Actually, we bought three PM10s. Like, and it turns into that. <laughs> yeah. And what it should be is, hey, this job's hard. Yeah. We struggle with the exact same things. Right. How can we bounce ideas off each other, encourage each other, and develop our own community with each other? Something as simple as, gosh, guys, our pastor and leadership team has a vision for five new campuses in the next five years. I haven't done that before. You guys have. What do I need to look out for? Maybe I feel like a lone ranger. I'm getting right. buried. What can I do? Just being that vulnerable, right? Just just a little vulnerable. Yeah. Well, to you go, know, here's what I'm dealing with. Even the emails we get from the years that our church did seeds and all that, you, we get a ton of churches weekly, daily sending questions. Yeah. How did you do that kabuki drop? How'd you do that lighting thing? How'd you do this audio thing? How did your mix sound? Like? We answer every single one of them. Yeah. And I used to do it all myself. I can't really do that anymore. I'll have somebody on our staff. And if it's something not to do with production, I will find whoever is in the church that knows about yep. the graphics they were asking about or whatever. Yep. And we'll send it. It's just a response. Yeah. It's just an email. Or it's just an answer. Or it's just letting someone hang with you on the front of house riser at your stupid arena show. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's not that hard to be open-handed. Yeah. And some of you guys need to take it a step further. Some of you need to actually... 
host a meetup. Reach out to five or six other guys who are your peers in the area. Just go grab something. Just go grab coffee, grab a meal, sit across the table, talk about stuff, even if it's just a way to offload some of what you're struggling with or some of what's working great. Right. And just give give some good ideas toward, hey, we did this thing at Easter and it was awesome. Well, we didn't do much for Easter and that was awesome. Okay, what are you guys doing for the summer? And right. maybe do a bring in somebody to tra- to do a training or to host a you know mix some you. kind of some kind of team night or talk about mix you or go or together to mix you. you. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, or just, get all your friends together as a group and go attend to mix you. Yeah. yeah. I just think there's a lot of ways to get better at this. Yeah. It's not a pissing contest. It's kingdom. Don't piss in the wind. That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah, the blowback sucks. So in the spirit of uh, being open-handed and talking about truth, we're going to go to part two of a lot of truth uh, about some of the big mixes we've watched on TV for years and years and years. Super Bowl, Grammys, Oscars, things like that. Um, Man, interviewing Pat Botzel was amazing. That guy is a wealth of information. I'm still trying to work on us to see if he'll... uh, you know, let us go hang out on his mix riser for the Grammys, maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't mind going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind the Super Bowl either. Yeah, be open-handed, Pat. Let's be open-handed, Pat. Come on, buddy. So we're anxious to kick into part two of this interview. Stay tuned. Uh, all the way at the end of the interview, we'll be talking about what our next Mix You City is going to be. Mix You Interview. Pat Bolson, part two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast... The world's only person that told Prince. No. Oh, by the way, for your listeners, on the Oscars, we used uh, on Jimmy Kimmel two of these directional microphones. They're prototypes. They're calling it a twin pack right now because it's got like two elements in the same capsule they don't even have a model number but you guys who are doing church stuff with lobs check this thing out it's the best directional lob i've ever used and i think i've used all of them because typically on a host uh, for the oscars or the emmys we put one omni lob and one directional lob you know put them in the same clip and that's how we get through the night and the broadcast truck typically uses the omni I'm running the PA a little too hot, and I typically use the directional lob. But this, we, it sounded so good, and it didn't have that off-axis problem when you turn your head that most directional lobs do, that we ended up using both directional lobs on Jimmy Kimmel. They, they were in white, and we got them right from shore. So keep your eyes out. It should be on the market shortly. Oh, that's very cool. That's interesting. So when people hear this, they're going to go jump on YouTube right now and go find the And find, find the out and bug your shore rep to find out when they're – we got them right from shore, uh, but they should be on the market shortly, and they're awesome. That's very cool. Man, so in, a, cool. in an event like that, can you talk a little bit about the, divi- the division of labor or if there's any um, – cooperation or what how it looks like between you um doing the broadcast stuff and then whoever's doing the mix in the house for you know the audience in an event like the oscars for example what how does that transfer how much do you partner what is what does that look like um actually i do the mix in the house okay and the um, yeah and the broadcast we work hand in hand so there's a great deal of trust and I suppose one of the reasons I've lasted 
for 30 years in this TV business is because I built a good working relationship with, there's only about a half a dozen broadcast audio mixers that do all of these, all the special events, whether it's the Olympics or, you know, the Pope comes to the United States or the, the Grammys and the Oscars. There's only about six doing the truck mix. So I've developed a relationship uh, of trust with these guys that they know whatever I do in the house audio mix, I'm always going to protect the broadcast. So if somebody accidentally walks up to the mic, a presenter, and they're four feet away because they forgot where they were supposed to go in rehearsal, and they start talking four feet from the mic, I'm not going to reach and reach and reach and to get the room unstable, knowing that I'm going to wreck it broadcast. Wow. So those guys in the truck know that I've always got them protected in the way that I handle the house. And having said that, I take a whole lot of time. My opinion, uh, mixing is just the very last stage. Much more important than actually, actually faders is setting up, designing a system and tuning the system. That's where the heavy lifting is done. That's 70% of my success is the way I've got the system set up and tuned. By the time I get to opening a lav or a podium mic, I already know that I've got everything maximized wow. for the, the interaction between the mics and the PA system. Man, so I'm going there's to get a the huge best. lesson in there. Oh, man. It's the prep. The prep the- is all of it, really. Once I get the room tuned and designed, the speakers in the right place, you know, in the Oscars, I've got hundreds of speakers. The first six or eight rows have individual under-seat speakers, which uh, create a buffer zone from the big line arrays above. The very bottom of the line arrays do not have the lavalier podiums in it. So I'm not trying to cut that hard edge right. The podium mic is right there, and then five feet later, there's the front row. Well, I don't consider that the front row. I go eight rows in before the line arrays are putting podium and lava information. This just those, blew my mind, by the way. That's brilliant. Those, those that's first so brilliant. Eight rows have individual tiny speakers that will never create a point of feedback for me. And they hear perfectly because it's every other seat has a, a, a small, you know, two way speaker. Guys, we've been failing for so long. <laughs> just blew this up, man. <laughs> what the heck? So, so like, the point of designing it, once I have it designed, anybody can come in and push the faders and you're going to do very well. So when I uh, emails before we set this up, you said um, you were, you had spent a couple of days uh, in pre-production music planning for the Oscars. Um, is that, is that where you're in the room with all these, with the different audio um, people, you know, the, who's in the truck, who's, you know, you're in the room, all the different entities. Is that where you're literally going through brass tacks of, well, what mic do we use? Yes. Because you, you would have a preference. They would have a preference. The artist would have a preference. The monitor engineer would have a preference. Yes. Where does that usually land? So when you're trying to all play together to, to work on this, to get this, uh, this output. It usually lands between me and the broadcast mixer. Like for the, for instance, there's actually two mixers. There's a mixer that does just the orchestra because we have a 65-piece orchestra in the pit that's playing live. And then the um, broadcast mixer that does the dialogue. 
and he integrates all the music that's coming in, all the dialogue and all the audience mics. So he's kind of the integration point and the packages, the video clips of who's the nominated actress and all that. So it's usually between me and the broadcast mixer for uh, the choice of mics. And in the case of the orchestra, I just give that to the orchestra mixer, the broadcast mixer. He's a scoring mixer. He's done all of these, you know, fabulous um, movies right. uh, that we all know and love. So he's got so much uh, more orchestra scoring experience than I do. Uh, so I let him choose, and he chooses all the best. It's all Shep's mics and Neumann mics yeah. and yeah, DPA stuff. It's all really high quality mics. And then when it comes to the musical acts, that's me and the broadcast mixer. Now the monitor engineer can weigh in if something's really not working. But typically, most of the artists now are using ears. So it's not a question of the mic isn't directional enough. I'm having trouble getting it up enough in the house for the monitor engineer. He's just, you know, everything works for him, usually. That's so cool. um, there's, there's something here that, that I think will be, this is all blowing me up here. But I've looked through and just done some photo searching as I've been trolling you on the internet. And <laughs> I've found you with every, with pictures of every conceivable type of audio console known to man in front of you over the past, you know, 20 years or something. Mm -hmm. I'm talking guys. I found a picture of him with an Innovason console at a Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> That's right. All right. Now I forgot about now, that. Now listen, that was brave. Just saying very but, brave, but every kind of console out there. Um, it's obvious. I'm sure you have a preference and that's not really what I'm asking for, but are you, do you view those as just finding the right tool for the job? Yes. Or are you, are you so dead set on a certain thing that you have to have it? No. Um, these days I'm using Digicode just because um, <clears throat> most of the projects I do with audio tech, ATK in Los Angeles, um, they've they've got a big inventory of digital consoles, and they work really well. But on the subject of consoles, um, the two biggest changes in my career um, have been line array speakers being an order of magnitude improvement over the flying junkyards that we all had to deal with in the <laughs> 70s and 80s, 90s. Uh, so that's the, the, the biggest change in terms of speakers. Uh, and the other change is automated consoles. I mean, I did Grammys where we lined up PM4000 consoles. Five of them was the most we ever had at front of house, killing all of these seats, which are very expensive and very premium, uh, to line up consoles. And as the music mixer, I would mix the first act on the number one console. Then I would move to the next console. And the guy behind me would start spinning knobs. We had templates made up. So you just start spinning the knobs, trims and EQ and whatnot. And I just move down the row of consoles and then go back to console number one, you know, 20 minutes into the show. And hope wow. that your A2 did a good job. Exactly. Yeah. The critical things, of course, were high pass and trim. You better yes. get those right. Yes. And the rest of them, it's just uh, icing on the cake. Uh, so get, getting digital consoles to where they're reliable and safe and sound good, um, is that's the other major improvement in my career, 30 years of doing this and like a godsend. <laughs> that's incredible. That's a, oh, cool. that's a big topic with uh, this, you know, 
with us and the kind of the world we live in. It's a big consoles are a big topic. It's always a, you know, there's always sort of a, well, you had this piece of gear. So of course it sounded great. And it's like, well, this happened to be the tool we could either afford or I prefer or that was available, etc. And there's something to be said about it was cool. I should have grabbed a lot of those pictures when I was looking through them all. And I was like, I okay, forgot here's, the example. Yeah, here's an example. And when the Anovason popped up, I think I crapped my pants. I was just like, oh well, my. Well, that was like one of the very first um, automated consoles. You know, there was no Digico. There was no um, PM uh, 1D. There, none of that yet. So whenever... Um, whenever you're putting this together, um, can we just hit real quick, like what kind of redundancy are you planning in for, you know, the what if, oh crap, sure. it's pouring down rain and, and we're mixing prints and we've got a desk problem. What kind so, of redundancy are you putting into these massive events? Well, that's good. And we've been refining that over the years because when it's a live TV event, it's different then a lot of your listeners, you know, and not that your uh, church event isn't, critical. it is critical, especially the people right there and now. But when you're doing a live TV event that's going to tens of millions of people, the option for I need about 15 minutes to get this rebooted is <laughs> I go off the air for 15 minutes. So we've been kind of perfecting the what if scenario, uh, the doomsday. So what I do now on all the live TV shows and almost all of my, in fact, they're all live that I do, is I have a small digital console, usually a Yamaha, uh, that will spit out AES. And that is sitting there with um, a, a mono or a stereo mix from the broadcast truck, minus audience mics, of course. So if my console shows any symptoms of failure, or starts to hiccup, then I just, with a, a change, a keystroke change in either OptiCore or Dante, that's how mm -hmm. I distribute signals to the amps. So it's basically either my console feeds this OptiCore distribution to the amps or the little backup console that's mm -hmm. just sitting there with a broadcast mix in it feeds the same. And I set the levels and balance it. Right. So now, do I ever... But enjoy a situation like this? Of course not, because I basically have one fader now, so I can't control dialogue separate from all the music, and it's basically a broadcast mix. But at least there's something coming out of the speakers, and I can live to tell the story. Wow. Man, so have you ever had to use it? That's the question. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you were prepared in case you did. Yeah. Yes, and, the, and the, the first time I don't have that little backup console sitting there, that'll be the time where it'll bite me. Exactly. But no, well, knock on wood, I, I made it uh, all these years without one. But that's a huge lesson because a lot of our guys, you know, they do have systems in place, whether it's in the way that they prep or in the way that they've got stuff backed up in terms of file management and that sort of thing. But, you know... A, Replacing a console in the heat of the moment is something that none of our guys could afford to even think about. So having that, okay, what is the, if, if, if there was this sort of doomsday moment, is there a way to protect this one microphone or this, yes. you know, that, so just thinking in terms of what are the little things that we could do to put in place to avoid catastrophe so the whole thing doesn't go down. That's a, yeah. that's a really good advice. Well, redundancy, um, just uh, that point alone, 
all of our hosts uh, always wear two mics, two lob mics. Uh, all of those podium mics, and there's long, thin ones because the podiums are kind of out of fashion these days. Everybody just wants that slim tube with a pair of shaps. But you can't see on the uh, front shot on the camera, but there's two elements right behind each other. So all of the key points where somebody would speak, accept an award or present an award, there is always two microphones. Wow. That's great. Well, that's a good lesson. Well, Pat, I can't thank you enough for being with us today. This has been so much fun just hearing stories and getting such great advice from somebody who is in the heat of the moment and under the gun so often. I just, I know that our listeners are going to love your stories and we're just so grateful that you would take time today to be a part of this conversation. We're just, we're just thrilled to have you. So thank you so it's much my pleasure. for being a part of this. And we're, we're just, we're going to take these things and learn, learn how to apply them in our context. And I can't wait actually to see that sure lob mic uh, hit the Dude, market because that's going to be awesome. It's the best sounding lob I've ever heard bar none because it doesn't have the problems of uh, proximity when you turn your head. And that's why the, um, uh, the, uh, the other directional mics, you know, aren't, aren't good for broadcast. That's great. That's very cool. Well, thanks so much for being here today. We're just, I just loved talking to you. So it's great to meet you and um, we'll let you get on Same with here. Your, let you get on with your day, but um, thank you. Happy, uh, happy ski slopes. Okay. <laughs> there it is. Thanks, <laughs> fellas. Well, that was awesome. I think we can all take so much wisdom from a guy like Pat and there's great ways that we can apply it to our context, which is what I love about these guys. You think they're just, you know, rock stars and bigger than life in our world. And how can I learn anything from them? But there's a lot we can take away and apply it to our local context. And all of our guests so far have been so great about sharing that kind of stuff man, with us. You talk about the theme of open-handed. Oh, man. These guys, there's not, there's not an ego among any of these guys so far. It's, so it's great. just been what... How much time do you guys have to let me talk about what I do? So awesome. So as we sign off today, there's got a couple things. One, at MixU Chicago, we're going to be doing a live podcast. Yep. So this is something we've never done before. And so, Lee, why don't you tell everybody some of the details around that and then what's next for MixU after Chicago? Yeah, so like Jeff said, never done this before, but on May 22nd, the day after MixU Chicago – the first day of the Philo Conference at 5.30 in the evening at the Willow Creek campus around the dinner hour, we're going to do a live recording of the podcast in front of a live audience. So that should be really awesome. Working on some uh, cool surprises for that. That's awesome. So if you're there for Philo, make sure to come, you know, reserve your time among your yeah. day to well, just figure out we're going to, we're going to do the dinner hour with these guys. The Philo team are studs and they have actually strategized this happening five thirty where it doesn't interfere with any other breakout. Right. So you can, you could be able to swing by. Yeah. And I believe they're going to have uh, some food trucks there or something like that. So yeah, it's at the dinner hour. So it's right. great. So, uh, or don't eat dinner and lose some weight and hang out with us. So that's fine too. <laughs> and then, yeah, our next city we're here to announce going on sale Immediately, if not sooner, is Boston, Massachusetts. Dude, cannot wait. Bring it, bring it northeast. That's uh, August twenty first up there. So, great way to kind of cap off your summer and get inspired. We are really excited about coming up there. And for those of you who live in the southeast or the south, just know that 
Boston in August is paradise coming from the <laughs> thick, wet, humid yes. summer that you experience in That's regular right. August. Yeah, so, and it'll be an oven in Sacramento. It'll be about 112 every day in August. So that may have been strategic. It Perhaps it was because you do not want to be in Tulsa in August. No, I want to I'll be. I'll take a little brief respite up there to the northeast. So if anybody's got any hookups on Red Sox games, you know. And sailboats. Call your boys. Love sailboats it. and Red Sox. There we go. Boston Tea Party of our own. Just lock it in. Taxation without representation. Let's I do don't it. even know what that means. Also, <laughs> if you haven't seen, check out our website. We have a store with some gear on there. There's a hat and a hoodie and some t-shirts for summer are coming. And a phone case. Yes, that you need. The, the <laughs> controversial phone case. The controversial phone case. <laughs> yeah. So go check those out. There'll be uh, more items added to that as uh, time goes. I think that's it, boys. I think we're good. Man, this is fun. We should do this face-to-face more often. Yeah, let's just always fly around the country and meet up to do these. Yeah, that sounds to totally it. worth it since we're not making a dime off these podcasts. Right. <laughs> Did you hear that, manufacturers? Come on, get in the game. <laughs> All right, boys. Till next time. See you, fellas. See ya. Bye.